Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. And I'm super excited today to talk with Dr. Tom Teeter. Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm good, Josh. How are you? Hey, I'm great, man. Now, Tom, for those of uh, the few people in the world that don't know who you are and what you do, can you give them like a one minute explanation? Sure. Um, I am a chiropractor in Kansas City, Missouri. I went to uh, Cleveland Chiropractic here in Kansas City. And uh, my background, my bachelor's is in exercise science uh, from Missouri State. And so I work um, primarily part-time in practice. And then I am a part-time a program director where I've developed a fitness and wellness curriculum at a local university. Okay. So these are all uh, college students who are taking on exercise kind of an interest in exercise uh, from, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, physiology, the performance of, but you really put together something special over there, man. It's not the normal um, exercise science program, huh? Yeah. You know, we, when I was tasked with the job, they were, we were transitioning out of an athletic training program. So we had more of a clinical focus um, and they basically just threw together a fitness and wellness uh, idea of a curriculum. And, and when I took over the job, basically started the program, um, they're like, here's a list of courses. Uh, um, what do you think you would need? What do you think trainers would want to know um, to make this a, a degree program? And what we really tried to do was blend the exercise science and, and physiology portion with a practical application. I know when I was going through my degree program many years ago. And when I've talked to lots of trainers all over the country, um, most of their complaints with their, their formal education was that they learned a lot of science. They necessarily didn't know how to apply it. And I think from our perspective, um, we kind of feel the same way at times about chiropractic school. So I kind of try to take my experiences and say, you know, if I, if I was a trainer and, and, or if I was going to hire a trainer to work for me in my clinic or in, in my, in my business, what would I want them to know and how would I want them to be able to practically apply science? At least from my understanding, there's not a lot of programs that really try to blend in the practical application. I want our students to know how to coach people. So that way, when they leave, they can get, get gainful employment and they, sh- they, they are going to walk into a situation where they're not going to have any problem fitting right in and, and doing a great job. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's not just in the university programs that we see that, but I, I mean, I've seen NSCA is offering and ACSM and ACE, all those things are, like you said, it's all the physiology of how, you know, hypertrophy occurs, but none of it is, what do you do with a client the first day you get one? <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, well, I saw this stuff on Instagram, so I'll do that. Well, and we see a lot of that, you know, and I think we've probably experienced that professionally in, in our uh, chiropractic careers. You know, you, you get out of school, you get a lot of science, and then you get someone that's in front of you and you're like, now what do I do? And even with personal trainers, you know, there, there's so much information that's thrown at them. Um, some of it's somewhat valid, some of it's totally irrelevant. But as an industry, there's a lot of fallacies and myths and, and things that we have to kind of dispel. And so we tried to just really narrow down all the crap and say, here's the foundational science you need to know, and let's teach you how to apply that to the person that's standing in front of you. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I think you're, uh, I think you're helping these people. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of highly trained coaches and, and trainers. Um, are you seeing the, the scope kind of expand of those people? Like the, um, you know, a lot of times it was just, Hey, you're going to be stuck in a gym, but now I integrated them into my clinical practice, but you know, I was just one person. What are you seeing is going on out there with these, these people? I think it's all over the board. Um, I, I think it's, it's the curse and the blessing of fitness. Um, the, the, the curse is there's no standard scope of practice. There's no regulatory board. So you have people doing things all across the board. But I think the blessing is, is when, when these people are being educated properly, they uh, get a sense of really understanding what they're doing and they know how to communicate and speak a common language with other medical professionals. They're starting to be accepted and integrated into what we would consider more of a mainstream medical practice, whether that's through chiropractic, physical therapy, um, medicine. I have one student that has, in, has been interning at a uh, internal medicine clinic and seems to be just fitting right in and, and doing a fantastic job. So I, I think as these people become more educated, um, they will be accepted a little more. I, I think historically, unfortunately, if we look really at the big uh, boom of when fitness or, or being a personal trainer became popular, you know, we're only talking about the, the mid to late seventies around the time when, you know, Arnold was Mr. Olympia and people really got interested in working out on the beach. Like that's the boom of, of the onset of personal training. So we're only talking about a, a profession that's only been around for ideally, you know, 40 or 50 years. So there's a huge learning curve. There's a huge amount of misinformation. And I feel like as people become more educated, they become, the more educated they become, the more integrated they become into mainstream medical practice. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and, you know, these days with all the pressures you have of, of running a business, you have to be able to leverage different levels of employees, right? I mean, just like we see in the um, medical offices, you know, early on, it was usually just the, the doctor. I mean, I'm talking a hundred years ago, just the doctor. And then it became the doctor and the nurse. Now it's doctor, PA, nurse practitioner, RN, nurse assistant, you know, medical assistant. There's, there's several different levels of strata. So I think we'll need these people in our, in our musculoskeletal practices as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, when you look at, particularly from a musculoskeletal perspective, I don't necessarily want to talk about from a, a, a more of a, a visceral or metabolic perspective, but in a musculoskeletal sense, you know, you really got different layers. You, you have the medical profession that really is responsible for either reducing inflammation or some type of repairing structure. Let's say you have a meniscus tear, obviously you might need surgery. So you need those people at some point. You have more of the movement people where that's going to be someone like your manual therapist or your physical therapist. And uh, manual therapist in this context could probably be someone like us who's a chiropractor uh, doing a lot of, of hands-on manual therapies. Um, and then the other piece is fitness. And, and I think if we're looking at medicine to either reduce inflammation or restore uh, or repair uh, damaged tissue and movement. We're trying to restore our function. Well, fitness folks is the back end of, of that equation. They are really the third arm of the musculoskeletal healthcare team. When someone is integrating out of therapy, if they've had a, if they've dug themselves into a hole where they have pain and they've lacked function and we as clinicians are doing things to try to restore their normal function and dig them out of that hole, then 
the fitness professional it is where they come in on the back end is being able once function is normal to continue to improve it along a spectrum of loading. So I think they're inherently important to someone's musculoskeletal practice. And I also think this as the profession is changing and as it's becoming harder and harder to compete for the same healthcare dollars, I think if you integrate a really good fitness professional as a therapy assistant to help them with some of the low hanging fruit from rehabilitation and then have them transition people into a very systematic progressive exercise program. I don't know that there's much that can beat that from a patient care perspective. So hold on a second. I just want to make sure I'm clear here. You're, you're saying that you think somebody should integrate a clinic and a gym into one unified program. I'm saying I think they would be stupid if they didn't. Wow. You know what I'm going to do, Tom? I'm going to go out and I'm going to build a business around that idea because that is the greatest idea of all time. All right. Sorry. I believe that that to be true. Yeah. So I don't just, uh, Tom's not just a plant. I didn't just uh, put him out in the crowd to to come up with the idea of a clinic gym hybrid. But uh, now that's great that you, you just talked all about the theory of this, right? But uh, for those listeners, you're doing this every day, right? I mean, you're, you're essentially in a blended facility. So you have the you see it in real life, real time, right? Because, I mean, how many trainers are you working with every day? And then you also teach it from the, in the classroom. Like, what's a, day, what's a normal day like for you? Yeah, I have a pretty interesting job, to be honest. Um, I spend a third of my day teaching. So, I, I educate uh, undergraduates on how to be trainers. I spend a third of my day doing my clinical work. And then I still actually train people. Um, I, I keep it really minimal because I'd like to spend my time where I'm going to have the greatest impact. Um, but at the gym where I'm at, it, it is a, a very much a blended model. Now, the only difference in uh, my situation is I don't control every aspect of the, every piece of the puzzle. But at our gym, we have uh, 13 full-time trainers. Um, some of them I have worked with for upwards of eight to nine years. Um, some of them I hired as trainers at another gym that I worked in before I worked here. So um, we have a longstanding relationship. We have created uh, a community of people that really are focused on a common goal. We spend an exorbitant amount of time with each other at at some point, um, educating each other on what we feel is important and and trying to continue uh, learning and and being intellectually curious. Um, And then really it's just, we formed, partnerships. Um, I, I would say a large portion of my clientele um, comes from the training staff at one point or time. And um, it works out really well, well, where they can speak a common language with me. They send their person to me for um, a very brief period to help uh, restore some type of function that's been lost. And then I send them right back into a structured exercise program with specific recommendations. So we're doing this on a micro scale, whether we know it here or not. Um, and, and I can tell you that it's worked fantastic. The outcomes for the patients that we've shared um, have been uh, considerably better than if they were just done on their own. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the things is like this whole program, it, it's such a perfect idea. I mean, hell, I, I dedicated this business to it, right? But it's such a perfect idea because um, the, the client is getting a much higher level of care and you can't, there's nobody out there. I said, get people, well, I refer to a gym or I send them to these trainers. And unless you're physically located in the same location, it just doesn't work as well. I mean, when you physically co-locate, it's like at least a 50% improvement. I would say it's probably over a hundred percent improvement because how often are you seeing, uh, 
you know, when you're seeing these trainers, you probably discharged somebody two weeks ago. How often are you discussing their case after what people would normally classify as discharge? Oh, pretty much every day. Um, it, it's an ongoing dialogue. Um, I, 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 you know, the thing that I, I, I've tried to do here is um, cr- the owner of the gym has created a really fantastic community. I, I didn't do that. She, she has been amazing in creating a business where everyone cooperates. I've tried to, the trainers with I work with, I've tried to educate them on um, how the body works. And, and these are really smart folks. Like they, they are fantastic trainers. Um, but I really have just looked at it as a partnership. And um, w- with those trainers, it's an ongoing dialogue. After I've discharged someone from care, uh, it's, it's not any given day where at least two or three trainers will stop me. It's like, hey, what do you think about this for this particular person? And it's like, well, maybe we should consider trying this instead. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. Let's try that. And I'll get back to you tomorrow and see how it goes. So it really is an ongoing dialogue. And I think at the end of the day, the patient really benefits from that because they know that they have two people that are constantly reevaluating their care. Care doesn't stop once the person leaves the treatment table. Actually, that's when the care begins. And from a business perspective, once again, I think that that allows uh, that constant reevaluation allows your trainers to charge a little bit higher amount and that you can charge a little bit higher amount because you're providing that insight into their exercise program. So you, you really leverage that expertise that you spent all that time (laughs) sitting in chiropractic college uh, studying in the late nights and the early mornings and the board exams all actually make you money for work you're not even doing, right? Absolutely. Um, it, it, I, just, it is a, I just feel bad when people only think that their license only works when they're in front of somebody. I'm like, dude, leverage that thing. Like, let it be an umbrella over the facility you're in and make some money off it when you're not even directly working with somebody. Yeah, you know, I don't, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I don't really understand some of the thought process of, of some of our uh, traditional brethren, if that's the word I can use. Um, I, I think everyone got into this profession at some point to try to have the greatest impact on someone's health. Now, I know um, in some circles that the medical community has been, been shunned because obviously chiropractors hate medical doctors. But <laughs> my point being that, that I, I think everyone got into this to affect health. And so when we look at the thing that all of us can provide that has the absolute biggest impact on their health, that has multitude year number of years of research, that there's no disagreement that can have an impact from a longevity and a physical autonomy perspective, it's exercise. So when our traditional chiropractic uh, colleagues make this suggestion like, well, well, we're going to adjust people and maintenance care is really what people need for ongoing health. I think that's bullshit. Um, I, I'm not adverse to the manipulation and I think it's a fantastic tool if necessary, but who's going to have the biggest impact on someone's health? And I'll give you a, a great example. I have a guy that I've worked with for over 11 years. Um, he originally came to me um, after three rounds of chemo, and I'm trying to remember, I don't remember specifically what at this point, what type of cancer he had, but um, that, that's he, a good statement right there, by the way, <laughs> it's uh, been so long. You don't remember what type of cancer I, he had. 12 I years. really don't. He, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he went through three rounds of chemo. It was touch and go for a while. Yeah. So he comes to his doctor was like, you know, you're, you're doing okay. You seem to be in remission. I really think you should gain your strength back because chemo just destroyed him. Um, I need you to find someone that really knows what they're doing um, for exercise. And so somehow he ended up in my office and 
I remember us having a pretty candid conversation. He's like, you know, I'm an avid cyclist and I really don't know a whole lot about chiropractors, but I've not had a lot of experience and, and people have said that that's probably not a good idea, but I seem like I, I can trust you. And so I was like, well, just give me a chance and let's see what we can do to, to get you back to health. So I remember our very first personal training session. Uh, I walked him from the office over to the treadmill, which is all of like 25 feet. I put him on the treadmill for about two minutes at two miles an hour. And then I said, okay, that was our first session. And he stopped and he was just, you know, dumbfounded. He's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. I said, like, what was the longest uh, that you've, that you've exercised since you began chemo? I was like, I've done nothing. I can't even walk from my car to the building without being winded. I was like, okay, that was your first exercise session. And it took us about a year and a half to where we got him back to where he was training intensely an hour, three days a week. And I've seen him twice a week, pretty much for the last 10 years. So I, I see him roughly a hundred times a year. So who's really going to have the biggest impact on their client's health? The person that I might see from an exercise perspective, a hundred times a year, or maybe the once or twice a year that he goes to his medical doctor, right? Or even if he saw a chiropractor, maybe going in for the once weekly adjustment that he might see someone 50 times a year, right? So I would make the suggestion that if we can use movement and fitness towards gaining people longevity and, and autonomy and, and being able to actually do the things they want to do in their life, we are going to have the biggest impact on our health, on their health. And in doing that, we can't do all those things ourselves. We probably need staff to help us do it. And that's where trainers come in. Woo! I love staff. Because when we talk about leverage, it's one of the only areas where you can leverage yourself is when you have highly trained staff, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you can help create those. So, so what should a, um, a good chiropractor, I mean, you understand the clinical side, but a good chiropractor looking at expanding their business, because that's what this podcast is all aimed at. Uh, what are some of the skill sets or the abilities that a highly trained trainer can help leverage for them? You know, like what can they take off the chiropractor's plate? to give them a little bit more freedom and time and, um, and uh, not be overwhelmed with all the clinical care? Um, I, I think a lot, but I, I think the first, my, my legal response would be, it depends on what your state will allow. What's the saying? The most uh, scientific answer to any question is, it depends. It depends, right? I say that every day in class. Yeah. Um, it, it depends on what your state will allow. Now, that being said, let's assume that your state will allow um, fitness professionals to be a therapy assistant or a chiropractic assistant. Um, they can, from, from what I've been told by other people that are using blended models like this, they can um, perform top tier SFMA. They can do low level rehab. They can do a lot of uh, movement testing and screening. They can do some of the therapeutics, things like recovery modalities, putting people in the um, pneumatic compression sleeves and doing things like laser and, and in some instances, even taping um, things like the Theragun's a possibility. So I, I think they can do some of the very low level rehab and, and therapeutic techniques and allow you to free up more time to do the hands-on uh, manual therapy and the more in-depth clinical assessment. So I, I think it just allows you to have another person on your team that can really be the bridge between movement and, and the clinical side and fitness. And I think if you have a really well, well intended and a well-educated trainer, they, they can make your life considerably easier. So, so let me ask you just, uh, since you're in a model with how many, you say 13 trainers around you? 13. Yeah. Wow. So there's gotta be some excellent ones in there. Uh, when somebody comes into you for, you know, let's say, uh, I don't know, standard, like kind of low back pain, right? 
and uh, you screen them out. You do some neuro screens. There's no red flags or anything, but they're in a, uh, let me ask this. Where, what pain level would you be comfortable sending them to one of those trainers? So after you, you kind of check for red flags and everything, uh, I doubt you're going to send a nine out of 10 over to the trainer, right? But where would you end up on that? If we just use that VAS score as a, as a screening tool of when to send to the trainer, what level are you comfortable sending them over at? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say three or it, below. It depends. It depends. Right. I mean, that's a, it's a load. <laughs> but then, yeah. But, but probably three or below. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, when you're looking at, uh, in my case, here's what I do in, in our, our situation is, um, I usually keep them doing all the, the work myself until we get to about a two or a three. And then I'm, I'm in that point where I'm like, okay, we've restored function, your pains considerably on the downside. Now we're going to start reintegrating you back into your exercise program, working with your trainer. And I'm going to give them specific recommendations to, uh, of things to do and maybe not do while we're finishing out the rest of our treatment plan. So obviously it depends, but you know, one of the cool things about having a bunch of highly trained trainers around, I remember this, I was at a CEU course. I was like, it was in Orlando, Florida. I'm in, you know, my clinic's in Las Vegas. So I think it's a three day course. So that means you got a day of travel, three days plus another day. Right. And so about two days in, I get this message. Hey, so, uh, Mrs. You know, Mrs. So-and-so just called and she's dying in pain. Uh, what should she do now? You, somebody that's experienced with your crew, which this woman was, you know, she was like in a six or seven out of pain. So I said, well, if she's comfortable, have her come in and have, you know, our head trainer evaluate her, right, as best he can and see if there's any strategies. And then we were going to talk after he gave me what I know to be accurate um, evaluation info, because I know our, our, our process, because I built it and I trained him in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can say like, hey, where can I better send this person? Or is this just a flare up and we can handle it, right? So it was great. He ended up evaluating her, finding some strategies where he thought he could bring some, some help. He was also a massage therapist, so he could do a little bit of a, you know, hands-on manual therapy. Got her down to a two out of 10, saw her again on Friday. So that was like Thursday, saw her again Friday afternoon, helped her through the weekend. I see her Monday as a patient and she's already down to like a four. And it's not just that she's down to a four. She's super excited because she didn't have to go somewhere else and, you know, deal with it over the weekend. Like she was able to make it through the weekend. And I was comfortable because I understood our evaluation process because I was ready to say, okay, send her to, you know, pain management. Or um, we had some friends that were primary care providers that could have given her some, some prescriptions, but she didn't need it. She just needed the right exercise. And, um, to get her from a, whatever she was, eight out of 10 down to a four out of 10. I'm not saying that's going to happen every time, but when it does, it's pretty nice having that. Oh, I agree. And, and you said two things in that, in that uh, story that, that really are fundamental to what we're talking about. If you're going to run a clinic uh, gym hybrid, I think you have to have a systematic process of evaluation and, and treatment and intervention from, from all people involved. So like we were suggesting, if you had a really well-educated trainer and you teach them and verse them in your systematic process of evaluation, they can perform the low-level evaluations and then help to make some informed decisions on what the person should do. And then the other thing that I always tell our students is, if you really want gainful employment, you need to have multiple skills. And one thing that you just suggested was, I had a trainer who was also a massage therapist. 
Well, now that person can start to integrate manual therapy into their practice because they're licensed to do so. And that frees up more of your time to do some of the higher threshold and higher level things that need a little more clinical thought process. So having a systematic process and having uh, educated people with multiple skill sets is imperative if you're going to make this business work successfully. Yeah, absolutely. I think evaluation is probably the biggest thing. Well, I say that's missing in in personal trainers, but let's be honest, it's, it's the number one thing that's missing in chiropractic and physical therapy, like everywhere. Most of the problems we've seen with people are like, I'm just not getting better. It's a evaluation problem, right? Yes. So do you, do you see that with your trainers as well? I mean, when you're, when a client comes in and says, Hey, uh, I have X goal, um, you know, either to lose weight or to I don't know, run a marathon or, or, or get a PR on their next uh, event. Do, do you see that evaluation helps that? And what else can you tell us about helping that client achieve those goals? Uh, yeah, well, you know, going back to what you said, we, we, I have a systematic process that I use. And this is what I've been teaching the trainers at the university. If someone comes in the door, and this would be very, very true if it was a clinic gym hybrid model. If someone comes in the door, the very first question you ask is, what can I do for you? Why are you here? And they may say, I want to get a PR in my next marathon. Happens all the time. So then they get shifted over to the fitness side of the model. Then the trainers would go through a a multi-tiered screening process. They would first screen to see if that person has any risk from a metabolic or a cardiovascular perspective from participating in exercise. And I think this screening process is one of the things that's entirely missing in the fitness community. People just bring a client in, they start crushing them with load, and they really have no idea if they have any inherent risk for any type of metabolic or musculoskeletal injury. So the ability to screen someone for some type of metabolic risk factors is paramount. And then they can use some of the education pieces of your process where they may be able to start screening people from a movement perspective. And that's where things like the FMS and the functional movement screen come in, where we can look and see if that person, if their joints can even get into the right positions to absorb force and adapt to stress or training. Um, And at that point, we can look for red flags relative to movement and see which movement patterns may be limited um, that we may be wanting to load uh, fundamentally from from a training perspective. And and at that point, the trainer has enough information to start making some informed decisions, whether or not the person has risk, whether whether there's going to be any barriers to success with loading, and then coming up with an exercise program uh, to, to be able to accomplish that. So we've had significant luck when we've been teaching this kind of thought process at the university and it's worked out really well. I don't think that was luck that you had at the university teaching that method. I think that was <laughs> applying like uh, truth and science, right? To a model and, and finding out what the client needs. So give yourself a little credit there. Oh, hey, look, I didn't, I, I say this all the time. I, I didn't come up with this process. I, I try to take an objective lens and look at, from every profession and look what information's out there, try to weed through the bad stuff, find the stuff that works and try to create a system around it so that we have a encompassing process for everyone that walks in the door. Um, I, I think there are giants in all of the, the musculoskeletal in, in industries. You, you have people in athletic training, you have people in medicine, you have people in chiropractic and physical therapy. I, I mean, there are a lot of really good processes. I think the, the hard part for trainers and particularly young chiropractors is to weed through all the crap and determine what's really logical and what's really just marketing. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? 
You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit ClinicGymHybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's ClinicGymHybrid.com. Well, hey, let me ask you this, because I get this uh, this question a lot or this statement a lot from some of my clients and, and even from people on the different Facebook groups I know you're part of. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody to help in my clinic uh, slash gym. There's just no good trainers out there. They're just, they're, they're not educated. And my response is always, damn straight, because they don't have somebody like you teaching them and, you know, somebody that's uh, uh, versed well in pain on an improvement how to, how to do it. And I say like, you know, when you get a trainer and help train them in your clinic, they become the best in your area because nobody's spending time with them. Right. But I, every trainer I meet or not everyone, but a lot of them are so hungry for information. They're dying for it. So they're going out and trying to find anything they can to learn. And sometimes that has to be YouTube and Instagram, um, but they don't even know the questions to ask. So when you hear, Oh, there's no good trainers in my area. What, what sparks, what happens in your mind? I think it's true. However, and I'm going to have a caveat to that statement. Um, I, I think from my experience that trainers are hungry for information. Um, they, they usually get into fitness because they enjoy working out or they really want to do things to improve people's health, but they just don't know where to start. They get all of the science. If they go through a formal education, they get all of this information about science and they're trying to weed through how that makes sense to apply to their business. If they're one that just gets into it and takes a certification, they get this really quick overview snapshot of how the, it's, it's a quick run through. Here's the body and here's how you do some exercises. But there's not the one thing that's missing in that process is teaching a logical thought process, right? Let's teach you how to think. And if we can think logically, we can discern science from myth. And that's the one thing I, I think I, I have, have been the most proud of from, from my work at the university. But, but I know that, you know, not only my students, but the trainers that I work with, they are dying for information. And they just don't know who to turn to, to, to get legitimate, factual science. And I think the, the problem with the industry as a whole is anyone can take a weekend certification there, it's evident by um, certain companies who are really well popular that I, I, I dare not say thy name um, that are, are churning out trainers and boxes left and right um, and, and really not teaching people a thought process. And anybody can go to a weekend course and take uh, and learn a series of exercises, but no one knows when to apply those with whom and why. And so I think if you were a really good clinician, then you would be well served to find trainers that are hungry for information and teach them. That way you can create a partnership and a community of people that you can collaborate with. And those people will be your uh, best marketing. I don't have to do a ton of marketing because the trainers do it for me. And when the trainer says to one of their clients, hey, you should go see Dr. Teeter and here's why, they don't ask questions because they know that I'm going to do a good job. So I I think that the biggest problem, I think, unfortunately for us, Josh, is that we have as clinicians and particularly the the largest majority of chiropractic, I would say, um, they themselves don't understand fitness. 
And so it's hard for you to try to educate people who are involved in fitness on aspects of fitness that you may not understand. And so that's why I think a lot of people are shy about going the route of trying to educate trainers. But I think if you have a thought process and you could teach them just the basics of how the human body works, I think you, you would have a, a whole room full of people that would be speaking your praises and that would be willing to come work for you to drop any notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a, a great, you just at the end there, you brought up a great point. You get a room full of people who want to hear your knowledge. A great way to basically have a mass interview for great trainers in your area is to host an educational session as a Cairo. And uh, the ones that come out of the woodwork to see it are probably the ones that are interested in education. And it's like teenage boys. Like if you, if you engage them in athletics, they'll work their butts off for you, right? You can build a great football team with a bunch of 15 year old punks. Uh, but they're just focused on a different goal. But if you don't provide them any education, no teamwork, no camaraderie, they become gang members, right? Like, it, so these trainers that have a ton of certs, you're like, oh, that's so, that's so stupid. Uh, you know, I see people and they, they're like, oh, those those certs are dumb. This person, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that person went out and spent their time and money to get educated. Whether or not it was the best model, who cares? They're they're showing you that they're hungry, right? Use that as Use that to your advantage. Well, I agree. And I think that's why, unfortunately, let's step back from that and make a different suggestion. I think, unfortunately, that's why at my last count, there was 378, I think we counted, named fitness certifications, right? There wouldn't be continuing to make these things if people didn't want information. Um, but the problem is people are getting, they're getting methods. They're not getting a process, right? They're getting exercises. They're not getting a system. Yeah, it's the same thing as like adjust this way and don't ask questions, right? It's like, that, that's a great treatment. It might be. But if we don't have a process of why we do that to, you know, the L4 vertebrae and when we don't do it, that, that's not a process. That's just a pop and pray. And, and that's what we see in fitness. We see, we see in fitness that people are like, well, it's exercise. And so we're going to do these particular methods. And I'm like, well, what, what's the goal? Well, just to get them healthy, right? It's like, well, we have to be specific about our intervention. Exercise is an intervention, right? A, I, I think it's the most powerful intervention. I would agree with that. It's, a, it's certainly the one with the longest tail after it, right? Like I adjust you. I don't know how long that treatment will be effective, but if I exercise you, that's going to last a few days, maybe weeks, maybe longer than that, you know, when I have your body moving in good patterns. Hundred percent. There's, there, look, we could have this argument till till the end of days, and I know some straight chiropractors absolutely will try to argue that manipulation is going to give you the, the greatest longevity. I think that's total horseshit, and I, I think it is a valuable tool when it's necessary. Yeah. But if you want to look at what has been researched and what has been proven time and time again to give you the greatest longevity and improvement in health, it's exercise. Well, hey, let's go to the gym and have somebody max out on some exercise then you adjust them and, you know, turn the lights on and get their nervous system uh, tuned up and get their innate flowing, that max effort should increase, right? I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you truly believe that the adjustment increases nerve flow, there's an easy way to test that. Those nerves terminate in, uh, in muscle spindles, right? Okay. Yeah. Start using them. <laughs> yeah. And let's say that differently because I, I know we can say that tongue in cheek and, and it is quite humorous to be honest, but Really, and, and I say this to my students, everything that I do in the clinic is to create some type of acute neurological input to create a window op of opportunity for movement to occur. 
right? And so after I do some type of intervention, what I want someone, myself included, or a trainer to do is go make them move under load, right? Because that's going to have the long term, the, the create the most long-term adaptation. So all I'm doing with an adjustment is to try to create a window of opportunity for some joint to move so that we can go load it and make it stick, right? And, and so this is where fitness fits into the puzzle. Um, yes, you can use manipulation, but we also have to have um, other interventions to follow it up to have the greatest long-term adaptation. Yeah. I think you're, you're preaching to the choir here. So, uh, Tom, are there any good resources you've got, uh, for clinicians who are like, Hey, listen, I really want to add a gym. I just don't know that much about exercise. Um, anything that you want to suggest they do or anything that you're, uh, maybe working on? Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of good resources out there. I would say not shameless plug, but I would say first and foremost, the stuff that you're doing has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I have. All right. Thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate you coming on and we'll just wrap it up with that statement. <laughs> right. No, I, I truly mean that. Like I, I, I try to digest a lot of information and when I kind of got turned on to what you were doing online, I said, this really intrigues me. And I think what you're trying to do is create a very systematic processes. So people, so, so that people cannot fail. And as part of that, I think you're looking at all the information and really trying to weed through what works the best, right? So I'm not, I'm not trying to pat you on the back. I just think it's fantastic. I think there's a lot of good resources out there. I, I think um, there is things like the certified functional. Well, let's step back from that. I think the FMS um, for trainers would be a great place to start. It's, it's a good lens to view uh, basic movement patterns, and it gives you a starting point to start to make some informed decisions from risk and also basically to start programming. Um, I think the SFMA, if, if the trainer wants to get involved in some of the more um, rehabilitative and more uh, higher end uh, clinical functions. And then for, for a basic certification, I really like the certified functional strength coach. I, I think they've done a fantastic job. Mike Boyle and Kevin Carr and, and those guys um, are, are doing fantastic things. And, you know, we hosted them here a year and a half ago and I was extremely impressed with the, the breadth of the knowledge of the things that they're, uh, they're putting together. And then yeah, I, rec I recommend that program all the time because uh, of, we took it about a year ago and of all the programs I've seen, that is like the best how to step-by-step -step process of exercise I've ever seen. It really is. And, 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 and it's what spurred me in my thought process of, of looking at how I wanted to go about teaching. Now, that being said, um, I, I think those three, you know, FMS, SFMA and certified functional strength coach, you would have a really amazing trainer. Um, I am also working on some coursework um, to really try to streamline this process um, and, and make it to a point to where either a clinician or let's say a clinician wants to hire a trainer, um, they can put them through this systematic, let's say 12 week uh, coursework and really get them up to scale on everything they would want to know uh, about fitness. Uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, just introductions to concepts and fitness overviews of, of how to manage injury, um, really looking at the physiology of stress and what that does to the body, coming up with practical principles for managing people's movement, um, looking at the bioma biomechanical considerations of exercise and, and loading, and, and then starting the process of going through an assessment, um, how to come up with specific programming, and, and looking at specific exercises and movement patterns for the upper body the core, the lower body, and then finally how to go about properly conditioning people. Um, I, I think that's a very 
uh, well thought out process that can get any trainer up to speed relatively quickly. So I'm, I'm diligently trying to work on that and um, trying to get that up to speed so we can start launching that. All right. Well, I, I totally believe in what you're doing and we definitely want to dial it in for the clinician. So I'll make sure to, to pimp it as well, because I think that that can have a massive impact on the, on all aspects, on the, the amazing clinical care you can offer your clients and the business side of things, right? Like there's the great thing about this, there's no reason you shouldn't make money off that, um, off those trainers. And I think that's how you go about doubling your income rather than just saying, Hey, I'm going to go from 15 minute visits to eight minute visits. And you know, that's just a headache waiting to happen. I look at it the opposite. I, I think you're spot on, but I look, I look at it the other way. I go, look, I, I want, I spend a lot of time with my patients, probably more than most. Um, but I like that. And, and I don't want to change the way I practice, but I also know, like you said, everyone you talk to from a practice management perspective makes a suggestion. Well, you want to get busier or you want to make more money, see twice as many people. I'm like, great. But then I have to sacrifice the care and the time that I have with these people. Um, I want to make more money. So without sacrificing my time. So great. I'll hire six trainers, have them working with, you know, one person each over a course of an hour. And I'm in the clinic doing whatever I want to do and don't have to worry about having to see more people. I just tripled my money. Um, So I I do think you're absolutely right. And and I think, you know, if the, the key to this model is I think first and foremost, hiring quality people, educating them on your system and and educating them about uh, anatomy and physics, and and then just getting them to buy into your vision and motivate them towards helping other people. You know, I I think one of the things that we see across the board is not only just a lack of vision, but a lack of understanding of what we're trying to accomplish when we're we're training people. Mm -hmm. You know, the real goal of fitness is obviously to affect people's health, but we're really trying to give them the physical preparation necessary to be resilient to stress and to be able to adapt to new conditions or environments. So um, we need to make sure that we have qualified people to do that. If we have really good trainers, we can make people really durable, give them movement competency. We can develop all the physiological reserves necessary to perform the task of daily living and make them be able to sustain their capacity for a longer period of time. So we're going to, ultimately, we're going to reduce the risk of any type of musculoskeletal injury, maybe even metabolic injury if we're doing a good job. We were going to maximize all of their physiological efficiencies. And then in the end, they're going to perform better in life. So I, I think... All of that being said, hiring a really good trainer can not only make you more money, but you're going to be seen as the hero because your patients are healthier and you're going to have a whole slew of people around you that are are fun to be around. They love coming to your clinic and it's just a really good time. Not a bad life. Not a bad life, especially compared to all the debt you you took on and uh, all the time you don't, you, you, you know, spent getting your license. May as well maximize that sucker. I agree. And, and I'll tell you, I, I teach an adult fitness class twice a week. It's, it, it, I just, I've narrowed my training down. To, I teach one class twice a week. It's the same six people I've been seeing for 10 years. Right. And, and these people are like family to me, right. It's the guy that had cancers in that group. And um, I, it, it's not work. It's fun. I get for two hours a week. I get to hang out with people I like. We have a great time. I'm keeping them healthy. Um, none of them have been injured and they've all, um, you know, I have one woman that's just turned 60 and she's fitter at 60 than she was at 30. Right. And their doctor, her doctor was like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, I'm just (laughs) exercising. And he's like, well, keep, keep whatever you're doing, keep doing it. 
Yeah. And so she keeps coming back and we have a great time. These people are, are family. So I, I think if you're someone who really wants to connect with your clients, you want to provide a service that they're not going to be able to get anywhere else and, and create an opportunity to make more money by empowering trainers to improve their skills and be part of a vision where you can motivate them towards improving people's health. I don't know that there's a better, better model. And, and I think it's fantastic. Fantastic. This is awesome. Yeah, this is exactly why we do it, man. So, well, listen, Tom, we got to wrap it up here. Um, but I do appreciate you coming on. For those uh, people listening that are like, hey, I want to I want to get a hold of this dude. He's talking about some good things and maybe either they want to get your help hiring a great trainer because um, I'm sure you're putting some kids out of that program that are, that are going to be at the university level that are going to be awesome or they want to get more information about kind of learning about exercise themselves. How can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, easy. My website's www.engineeringathletes.com. Um, you can find me at, at engineering athletes on Facebook and I believe, uh, it's tom.teeter on Instagram. Fantastic. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Principally. I don't know if we can suggest that people go onto Instagram to learn about educate, uh, exercise education. Cause that place is a wasteland of horrible trainers. Well, I, I would normally agree, but what I've tried to do with my Instagram account is, and, and I hate, I'll be honest, I hate social media, but what I've tried to do with that is it, I use that as a form of education. I'm going to put out an exercise and explain why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it and give you some ideas of how you might be able to do that yourself. So once um, again, people are hungry for the information. So you may as well feed it to them. Absolutely. And do it in a logical way that allows you to become an expert. Fantastic. Yep. All right. Well, we, I really appreciate all the knowledge bombs you dropped here and, and you being on this. Um, for those of you listening, once again, Tom's developing a program. I believe in Tom. I believe in the program. So I'm going to start pimping it. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, otherwise, get a hold of Tom if you have any questions. And on behalf of Dr. Tom Teeter, this is Dr. Josh Satterley for Clinic Gym Radio saying go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Man, it's out there just waiting for you. Go get it. All right. Thanks a lot, Tom. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.